You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. All right, well, if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, download it right now on your phone and turn to Romans chapter 2. And I want you to follow along if you're able to. We have been looking under the surface at this rich letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church, the church in Rome. And we're really looking under the surface at the depth and breadth of the grace of God and how we can, become, how we can uh, be in alignment with the life and love of Jesus through his grace, the transformative power of God that I think is happening and going to happen as we continue to work through this amazing book. Now Paul uses, in the section we're gonna be looking at, it's quite a lengthy section, it's the end of chapter one all the way through chapter four. Don't worry, we're not gonna read all of that. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I came today. <laughs> but we're going to be looking um, at uh, quite an extensive section of scripture, but, but really it's the, there's two primary words that we're going to talk about that are in all of the letter to the church in Rome, and they're pretty hefty religious words, and so I wanna talk about them today. It's the word justification and the word righteousness. Now, an analogy that can kind of help you understand what justification really means is it's, it's a judicial word. And so I want you to think about you have, been, um, you have been accused of murder and you know you did it. You're guilty. But you're in the courtroom and they have the murder weapon and everything. But then all of a sudden they take the fingerprints on the murder weapon and they're not your fingerprints. You're as shocked as everyone. Like, how did that happen? That's justification. Someone else's fingerprints are on the murder weapon you used. That's justification. You're like, that doesn't help me, Steve. Yeah, right. So that's okay. We're going to get into it. Um, but this is it's the idea that you, were de- that you should have been declared guilty, but you are declared not guilty um, because someone else took your place. It's a legal term. That means that you have been declared guilty righteous. That's what salvation means. That's the good news. Christ took our punishment. He put his fingerprints on the murder weapon to make us righteous. So what's righteous? Well, righteousness is what we receive through uh, justification. It's God's standard of purity. It's his rightness. It's his truth. The Bible actually says that you and I, when we receive Jesus, we become the righteousness of God through Christ. We actually become that. When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see um, all of the sin and the shame and all the stuff that you carry in this life. He sees Jesus, the purity and the rightness of Christ. And today, um, this really shows up everywhere in Paul's letter, but we're gonna look at this phrase, and if you're taking notes, write this down, that we are justified by faith in Christ. And circle, underline, bold, that phrase, by faith. We are made right with God through faith in Christ. And really, the rest of Romans, um, as you read through it, as we, t- as we studied over the next, it's a total of nine-week series, so what are we, another six weeks? Um, you're, gonna, you're not gonna be able to understand the rest of the letter if you, don't under, if you don't get this, that you are justified by faith in Christ. It's, the fund, it's one of the most fundamental principles of Christianity. 
um, that we are saved through faith. Um, so uh, with that in mind, let me pray and then we'll dive in. Jesus, we ask as we open up your word that it would come alive to us, that, that it would uh, make sense, that we'd be able to understand it and know how to apply it into our own relationship with you and with others. Help us to see what the Apostle Paul was trying to get us to see um, as he wrote these words um, and help us to um, make it tangible um, and practical. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Awesome. Well, obviously we're not able to hit every section of the riches, all the riches that are found in this book uh, in the short nine weeks that we're studying. It really would take a, an entire year to get through if we went verse by verse uh, through this amazing letter. Uh, but we are doing our daily devotions, which I hope you're uh, watching Monday through Thursday um, on our website as well as uh, we're presenting questions that you can go through as a home church a community group or just in your own life and so just to dig more deeply into this amazing book now as I mentioned um, we're going to start at the end of chapter one but I'm not going to read it um, you can read it later but as you read through the the last 15 verses of chapter one what you're going to find is Paul's what Paul how Paul understands um, the state of humanity without God so he kind of describes that, and it's actually really sobering. As you read it, you're going to be going like, oh, wow. Paul calls us wicked, suppressors of God's truth, thankless, foolish. Our minds have been darkened and confused, so God abandoned us to our own shame. And some of you are thinking, why would I read that? <laughs> um, and it really, he's really showing um, a version of humanity without God. And, and I would say we don't need the Bible to convince us that we're broken. We just need to look around. We just look around and we can see that, that humanity hasn't and isn't living up to our best, that we, f we fall short. And, uh, and the Bible just, it just tells us what we actually we already know about our humanity. Um, you know, I grew, up in the, I grew up in the church and um, I was, I'm a pastor's kid and, and I remember passages like this in Romans and others that preachers would preach on and, and, this, and, and they would take the Bible as, and, it's a, and, and this is such a good book. It's like good. But they use it in such a way that um, it would be a weapon I call it weaponizing the scripture and they would, anybody ever been beaten over the head by a Bible or a Bible thumper or whatever? Yeah, we, we weaponize this. We use it to bring condemnation on people and that was never its intent. That was never God's intent by having people pen his words on these pages to use it as a battering ram to get people to be like him or to get people to know him. That's not the purpose of this. And you'll see that today. And Paul is trying to tell us that that's not, um, I mean, that's not what it's about. Yes, the narrative of the Bible shows us that, that, that everyone has turned away from God. Yes, it does say that. That we are trapped in a spiral of sin and shame. Yes, it does say that. But like I said, you don't need it to know that. But even, even the church in Rome, they, the Christians in the Roman church, they were already um, weaponizing 
truth, God's truth. We'll see, we see this in chapter two, verse one. Paul writes this. You may think, and he's talking to Christians, he's talking to Christ followers in the city of Rome. You may think you can condemn such people. Who, is, who are the such people? Everybody from the end of chapter one that live the way that Paul describes in chapter one. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. Oh, shoot. And you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And you're thinking, no, I don't. Well, there's a, there's a list of things. I'm sure there's one in there that is appropriate. See, we, we, like to, we like to separate sins that we don't commit and make people feel bad about those while at the same time we're, we're committing other sins, greed, selfishness, you know, lashing out in anger. I mean, whatever. I mean, not that you, none of you do any of those kinds of things ever. But, you know, we, and, we, and we, we separate those. We like Paul's saying, no, you can't do that. When you say that they are wicked and you should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? You're like, got me. Verse four, I love this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you. Don't you know it? Haven't you experienced it? That the way he's treated you with such grace and mercy and kindness and tolerance, right? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And that's the good news is that it's his kindness that turns us to him. Um, not his judgment or condemnation, it's his kindness. Now, now Paul typically writes these really long, drawn out, complicated uh, thoughts that take deep study to fully understand. But every once in a while, he drops a, a statement in the middle of all of that that's like, oh, that's what he's trying to say. And he does this in Romans 3, verse 28. And this is, this is we're really gonna talk more about this. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. That we are made right with God, not based on what we do, but how we believe. We are made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law. Now, Paul comes then in chapter four, and all of chapter four, he uses the story of a guy named Abraham. Now, Abraham is really interesting that he, that Paul chooses to use Abraham. Why is that interesting? Because Abraham lived before the law was written. Moses came and um, freed the people of Israel from Egypt, and then God gave him the Ten Commandments, um, and, then, um, and then they wrote a bunch of other laws. Um, the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy describes all of those. And, and so they have this long thing. But Abraham lived before any of that. And what, what, why is that important? Because he believed in God without that. He put his faith in God before the law was given. That's super interesting, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why Paul uses the story of Abraham to kind of bridge the gap for us who are not under the law anymore. 
Um, and so this is what he says in Romans chapter four, verse three. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of what? His faith, not because of obedience, not because he did the right things, not because he always obeyed God. How many of you, if you've read the story of Abraham, he actually didn't obey God all that often, to be honest, right? But that's not the deal. The deal is that it says God credited him righteousness. He said, Abraham is right with me because of faith, because of how he believes in me. Not necessarily what he does. Now, what he does is important. We'll talk about that throughout this series. Now, verse 13, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham. There's this is amazing promise that God gives to Abraham. He says to Abraham, you will be a father of many nations. You will, I will bless you and you will bless others. Um, your descendants will cover, cover the, 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 um, the earth. And it's just this amazing promise, right? Now, so this promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants, check this out, was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God. So pause here for a second. So to experience the fullness of God's blessings and promises in our life absolutely takes being in a right relationship with God. It, there's, no, there's no way to experience the fullness of what God wants to do in your life without being in a right relationship with him. But it's really, really important how do you have a right relationship with him? It's not by doing a list of things and, and not doing a bunch of other things. It's by faith. See, it says, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith would not be necessary and the promise would be pointless. So experiencing the promises of God is absolutely dependent on a right relationship with God, but that comes through faith. That we would be forgiven, that we would be justified, that we would be made right before God, and that justification does not come by having to obey the law, but by believing in his son. That is the good news. That you don't have to do nothing except believe. You're not getting it. Seriously, it is one of the most mind-blowing, absolutely incredible statements in Christianity that says you are justified, made right before God simply in your faith in Jesus, and that's it. It doesn't require anything else. Now, some of you are like, well, wait, I, I grew up in the church, and that's not what I heard. I, I live in the United States right now, and that's not what I see. Well, sorry. <laughs> We've, we haven't represented Christ and his mission very well at times we have we've we've erred on the on we've made minor things major things and we've we've never and we and we haven't put enough attention on this reality over and over and over coming back to this as Paul will do throughout his letter to the Roman church he keeps coming back to this idea just to remind you you are justified by faith not by works you are made right with God because of your faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. 
And I love what he says, and when God counted Abraham as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us, giving us assurance that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to, over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. I love that Paul includes the death and resurrection of Jesus here because I think believing in the cross is as important as believing in the resurrection. And, and the reason I believe that is because as Paul makes, as Paul references here, believing in the cross acknowledges that I am broken. It acknowledges that I need a savior. It acknowledges that I am a, a sinner in need of God's grace. To acknowledge that Jesus died on a cross says that I believe that I am in need of his grace, of his work. And his resurrection pays the, I mean, it just, it, it like, it, it, it opens the door to a new life that we've never experienced before. Now, sometimes preachers like me can make it sound really easy to have this type of faith. You know, just believe. Hallelujah. And, uh, and it's not that easy. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, he writes in chapter 10, verse 16, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah, the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Not everyone believes this good news. And, and, and that doesn't mean we, you know, to those people who choose not to believe, well, let's just hit them a little bit harder. That doesn't work. It's his kindness that brings people to repentance. But, but faith, Paul says, comes from hearing, that is hearing what the good news about Christ See, we are ambassadors of this great news. As Mike mentioned earlier, right? I mean, we, we, we should have beautiful feet. Every Christian should have amazing feet. Take off your shoes and sew the people next to you your feet. No, don't do that. We should have beautiful feet because we are the people who are, 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 are carrying this good news that we, you can be justified. You can be made right with your creator, the one who loves you and has given, gave his life to you simply by believing in the one whom he sent. That is the good news. Now, some people have the gift of faith. You know some people in your life like that? It's really easy to believe. You're right, and, they, and then Paul actually says there's a gift of faith. Um, some personality types are a little more prone to faith, I think, but for most of us, faith comes by hearing, by just soaking yourself in the words of God, in the, in the, in the, where you just keep hearing the gospel, the good news over and over and over again, that through the hardest times in your life, that there's this assurance that no matter what happens and all the questions you might have about God, there's this assurance that I believe Jesus Christ died for me and rose again, and I'm not moving from that. No matter what happens in my life, my faith is steadfast in that reality that he loves me so much that he's willing to die for me. And he loves me so much that he's willing to open up the door to a new life of transformation through his resurrection. Of all the other questions that I have about God and why he allows certain things to happen and, and doesn't intervene in some situations and all that stuff that, that, we, that, we, that we have in our minds, right? I am sure of this, that I am justified I am justified. I am made right with God. There is nothing separating me from the love of Jesus Christ. There is nothing. Because I believe. 
that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead. See, faith comes from hearing how much God loves us and reading how much God has done for us. See, and Abraham's faith produced something in his life and it will produce something in your life. Faith activates something both, both with God and with us. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I, I wish it said with faith, it's, it's, it's how, how would you say that with faith? That's why it doesn't say it this way because I can't even figure it out. But it, with faith, you please God. Faith, faith causes God to, to, to enjoy you all the more he looks at you and go like i can't i can't believe they, i can't believe he still believes after everything he's gone through he still puts his faith in me ah oh, that makes me so happy oh i just that's just man when they step out and, and are willing to to share my love and my grace and my gospel with someone else wow they're willing to risk that i'm just so happy that kind of faith generates something it activates something even with god but it also does something for us See, for, through faith, we become new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is past, the new has come. We begin to live into our real identity. Our faith sets us on a new life-giving trajectory. The, through faith, the gifts of the Spirit are activated in our life. The fruit of the Spirit begins to work in our life. Faith, love, faith, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It, it happens. Those things happen in our life the, through faith. Not by trying harder but by believing. See, we're able to walk in the spirit rather than in the flesh. We're able to obey God's word. Without faith, you can't obey God's word. Justification by faith transforms us. We have a new status. We are children of God. We are, we are bought by his blood. We are loved with so much grace and mercy. We are part of a new family. We belong to the body of Christ. We have a new future, a transformed life. All things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Faith unlocks something in our lives that simple belief and trust cannot. Beliefs can be dismantled, trusts can be broken, but when our faith is anchored to the person and work of Jesus Christ, it anchors us to God himself. We bring the good news. We, we bring the good news in the same way as Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. I love George Mueller wrote, uh, Evan mentioned this in his devotion last week, and he was a great preacher and healer back in, the, I think, in the 1800s, and and after an amazing miracle, um, someone came up to Mueller and said, you must be a man of great faith. And he, he responded, I'm a man of little faith, but it is in a great God. I tell you what, if you, I mean, you plus Jesus, oh, watch out. All things are possible. Those things that you've been believing for, that, that miracle that you've been um, asking for, the, the, the move of God that you want to experience in your life, the presence of God that you want to, to experience, all of that happens, it, it, it begins in this place of faith. Yes, all of us have, fall, have sinned and fallen short of God's standard Absolutely, that's so true. I believe that, but we all also have been freely justified in Christ, not by anything that you can do, but simply believing. Jesus put his fingerprints on your weapon. He said, I'm taking it. 
I'm gonna take the punishment that you deserved. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna go all the way for you. Because he, he doesn't wish that anyone would perish, but all would come to eternal life in him. And you see, faith is a choice. It's one of the reasons why it's such a powerful concept in the scriptures is because it's a choice. Abraham had a choice to believe in God or believe in any of the other gods that were around him at that time and he chose to believe in the God and the one true God. He chose that. He made a decision to follow that God and because of that, God said, I, this is, you are right with me simply because you believed. Faith is a choice. As Pastor Bo said um, in her devotion last week, God doesn't respond to what we do as much as we respond to what he has already done. Faith is a response to his work and we get to choose to put our faith, what to put our faith in. Would you close your eyes with me and here in the room and those that are online as well, just be reflective for a moment and I wanna ask you today if you would put your faith in Jesus Christ and in his work on the cross. Maybe for some of you, you've, you've done that years ago and it's just, it's not, a, it's not something that you, that you re-up. It's just, oh, I did that. I did that when I was a kid or I, you know, I grew up in the church and I, I think I'm okay. And I, for me personally, almost every day I make this a faith choice again every single day to follow Jesus, to believe in him and his cross and his resurrection. But for some of you, this will be the first time that you'll do that. This will be the first time that you put your faith in Christ. And so would you do this with me? Would you just say this simple prayer after me? And for those of you that have already already put your faith in Christ. Will you join with me and here online as well? Would you say this prayer? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your crucifixion and in your resurrection. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I choose to follow you and put my faith in you. Keep your eyes closed for a moment and if if you prayed that prayer for the first time, the first time you've ever made a decision to follow Jesus here or online as well, would you, here in the room, would you simply right now just lift up your hand and look up at me and I'm just gonna agree with you, I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything, I'm just gonna agree with you those of that are online, maybe you can just type in the online chat box. I'm, I made that decision today and let somebody know online, but anyone here that would say, yeah, this is, I made that decision today to follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your justification, God, that we are made right before you. And Lord, I pray that you would help those that made this decision today to walk with you through all their days, through all their ups and their downs, through every life circumstances, the, the, the things that, the times when um, 
the enemy of our soul tries to steal away this gift, I pray, Jesus, that you would help us all to remain true to this decision today to walk by faith, not by sight, to put our hope and our trust and our faith in your great work, not in ourselves. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. In your name we pray, amen.